Welcome to Chamberlain University's MSN CourseCast. Each episode in our series will introduce and discuss key concepts from the modules in one of your courses. These episodes are intended to enhance your learning when you're on the go, so feel free to listen to them anytime and anywhere. Hello, this is Dr. Carrie Simpson. I am an associate professor for the MSN specialty tracks as well as the accelerated tracks at Chamberlain University. And this is podcast number two for NR5 on the topic of delegation. But before we begin, I want to introduce our guest, Dr. Tracy Stogner, who is a curriculum coordinator for the MSN specialty tracks as well as the accelerated track programs. I wanted to see, Tracy, if you would be able to introduce yourself a little more. Sure. Aloha, everyone. And it's so fun to be in the podcast Learning on the Go Forum again. Uh, and sharing uh, my experience and and my stories in regards to delegation. And I'm so happy to be in this space with you again, Dr. Simpson. A little bit about me in case you haven't listened to a podcast that I've been on yet is um, I've been a nurse educator for a number of years, probably almost 18 years. And then before that, I uh, worked in nursing, med surge, OB, and then my specialty, however, is mental health. And I worked in uh, a community mental health clinic for a number of years in the trenches with schizophrenics and uh, bipolars and those with really severe mental illnesses. And uh, I learned so much about mental health and I'll be sharing a little bit about those experiences today in regards to delegation. And just so happy to be here. And uh, now I am a a nurse practitioner and also have my doctorate in um, leadership in, in nursing education, but my specialty is mental health. So thanks for having me, Dr. Simpson. I'm so excited to be with you again today. Oh, we're so happy to have you. Thank you so much for being here. And I just wanted to go over a couple of main points for our podcast today. When we talk about delegation, it's really important for a couple things for us to remember. The components of the delegation process will be discussed, as well as the rights of delegation. And we will talk about each of those a little bit more intimately as we go through this podcast today. I want to start off with Dr. Stogner, can you talk to us a little bit about delegation and what it means? Sure, we can begin, you know, with just some points about delegation and a simple definition, but really it's an assignment of tasks and duties. It's usually assigned for completion of a job or a project that needs to happen. It's an important duty of any effective leader. So in order to be an effective leader, you absolutely must know the important points about delegation and some important components within the delegation process. And those include responsibility. So the duty is it's assigned and accepted by the delegatee. Um, the accountability, the leader is accountable for completion for the delegated activity. And responsibility and accountability ultimately lie with the nurse who delegates. So, so those are two really important components of delegation, and we'll probably get 
talk a little bit more about those as we go on. And then authority, the leader must assess safe delegation and completion of an activity, making sure that it's done in a safe manner and is in the purview and responsibility of the subordinate. Um, is also, uh, they have to make sure that they carry out things in a safe manner, but it's very important that you as the delegator assign someone a task that has experience and is able to carry out that task efficiently, effectively, and safely. So those are all some important um, components. I know we're gonna talk a little bit more about that as we go, as we go on. That's so true, uh, Dr. Stogner, because so easy sometimes we get caught up in those moments of looking at delegation and the process of it that it may be where we think about very important components, the responsibility and what that entails and how much really is truly at the response of the, of the actual um, delegator. And that would be That's the leader true. themselves because uh, a lot of times even though a nurse may have their nursing degree, that doesn't always make them the most important role. Mm -hmm. And also mm -hmm. even as nurses working with other healthcare members and especially nursing assistants. And a lot of times, even though it's easy for them to say, Hey, I see something that is amiss, truly thinking about the nursing process, the nursing assistant really doesn't even have the authority or that that should actually be delegated to that level of responsibility for that person mm -hmm. to complete. So mm -hmm. it really does. It's really important when we talk about delegation for the nurse and especially the nurse leader have an understanding of these three components and what they tell. Yeah. I agree. And oftentimes, um, I think we find people get in a hurry because they want to get yes. things done and they want a task accomplished and running behind on their deadline. And that's really when mistakes can be made um, in regards to delegation is when people get in a hurry. Um, that's where you can kind of see some of those errors made in these three areas for sure. Exactly. Perfectly into our next section because we talk about the rights to consider for the leader to consider when delegating any duty. And always just the thing you first talked about, Dr. Stogner, the right task. And what mm -hmm. that, what's involved in that and really having an understanding of who is most appropriate to complete that. And it takes a lot, it takes a lot of consideration into that. And when we talk about the right task and the individuals, we go into the next point, which is the right circumstance. And then mm -hmm. as well, complete it. And we just talked about that a little bit beforehand, even somebody may have a specific degree. There's a lot to consider when mm -hmm. you're thinking about the right person to complete a task. And when you're looking at the best outcomes, you want to make sure you're really critically thinking about those processes and not mm -hmm. just saying, oh, them do it. Mm -hmm. um, because that's not always the best thing. You have to look at the whole picture. Right. Also involved in this, the right under the rights to consider is right direction to communication. And that mm -hmm. again goes back to the delegator and having those crucial conversations and thinking about how you're going to communicate information and that the directives that are given are appropriate. Yeah. And again, follow up. How do we know that the delegation has happened uh, and that it was done? successfully. And so that involves the right supervision 
and valuation. And so those are the important rights to consider when delegating duty, especially as the leader. Mm -hmm. Talking about your team. I agree. So let's repeat those again, just for our listeners, right task, right circumstance, right person to complete, right directions and communication, right supervision and evaluation. The five rights, just like we have the, the five rights of medication administration. Well, and those keep growing, <laughs> Right. We have the five rights of delegating any duty. And especially as you all are looking at, you know, potential leadership positions, whether you're looking at in your advanced degree and a master's level position, getting more leadership within your organization, or whether you're looking at the clinical nurse leader option, um, delegation will be a major uh, task as a leader. And so it's really important to get it right because things can go really wrong if you don't follow those five rights. That is for sure. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, let's touch for a minute on how delegation should be completed um, or accomplished. Um, a staff or team member needs to define it um, as appropriate um, by the education and experience of the person to complete the delegated activity. We talked a little bit about that earlier. It would be important for the leader to sit the subordinate down or the follower down. I like to call them followers too, and go over the activity to ensure they are comfortable uh, with the delegated task. That's really important too. And making sure that they're feeling safe, that they can decline the activity if they need to. If they don't feel comfortable, it's, it's really important to be able to allow someone to do that because someone may be scared to say no, Exactly. Job. You know, I, I know that's happened so. to me in the past and I'll be talking a little bit about my story later, um, but uh, to, to make sure they're comfortable and to advise to any specific criteria for completion and discuss how it will be, how it will be assessed at the end. It's important to know how it's going to be evaluated. So communication, communication, communication is key. Going back to our first podcast, interprofessional uh, communication and the collaboration is so essential with delegation. Always allow for those being delegated to the opportunity to ask any questions or voice any concerns. Again, creating that safe space for the communication to happen and occur. In. And ultimately, responsibility does lie with the leader. So it would be important to gauge any issues prior to the activity being completed. And Another thing that I want to add here too that's really important is you have to check for understanding. So, you know, some people exactly. nod their head and, you know, and they, you think they understand. And, you know, I think asking them, you know, we have the teach back in nursing that we do when we do our, our medication teaching with our patients and we do a teach back to check for understanding. You know, I think doing something like that when you've delegated a task, you know, so, okay, so tell me, how do you see this happening and how do you, how do you envision this? this going and let me, you know, kind of tell me a little bit about what you heard from me so I can make sure that I know that you, you have it down correctly and, and that there, that I didn't uh, miscommunicate in any way what I wanted the job to be. And I think it's important. You don't want to word it like, oh, you know, uh, I want to make sure that you got it right you know, and that you didn't get it wrong. Mm -hmm. You want to just talk about, I want to make sure that I communicated effectively exactly you know, what, what I, what I want done. Um, you know, so you don't want to, you don't want to insinuate that they're not getting it and, but you want to insinuate more that you want to make sure your communication has been clear. I think that's important. 
Exactly. And there, and when we talk about that, we all know with communication, there can always be communication breakdown. And so mm-hmm. it, it's easy to happen. Even the stress of a situation where maybe the individual that's being delegated to might be very nervous. And sometimes they may be, you know, doing a new task or a new activity. Mm-hmm. And just that, you know, that crucial moment of really understanding. And so having those crucial conversations is very important and also addressing potential barriers. And there are many to safe delegation. Yes. And the first and foremost goes without saying, and we talked about those, the five rights and not adhering to those. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you know any of those are missed when you are really quickly thinking about those individuals you put the delegation to, mm-hmm. you really need to sit down and consider those five rights and that they have all been addressed and that they have been thought out before you yeah. actually complete that. Yeah. And lack of trust in the team. When mm-hmm. you don't have trust in the team to get the work completed, you tend mm-hmm. to not delegate. And what yeah. happens is tasks don't get completed because who's left to do it all? If it would be you as the, if you would yeah. be only trusting in yourself, um, yeah. you know, things are going to get missed and things are not going to get done. And so having that lack of trust in your team, get the work completed, can actually be a barrier. It is. And I've seen that. I've even seen that just being honest in myself sometimes. You know, when I first first started delegating, um, you're just, you're nervous because especially if you're in a new position, because you know, ultimately the buck stops with you, right? So you want to make sure and get it right. And so you tend to maybe micromanage a little bit more than you should and do a little bit more than you should in the beginning. So just watch that as you step into a leadership role for the first time, because I know I went through that a little bit and you learn very, it's pretty self-critiquing, like, oh my gosh, I can't do all this myself and what am I doing? And, huh. and uh, you can get yourself in a little bit of a pickle. So it's so important to make sure and have that trust. That's why communication is essential because if you've done a good job of communicating, you followed those five rights, um, you'll have a lot uh, better chance of success with your delegated tasks than if you don't follow the five rights and if you don't communicate effectively. So, yeah, really important. That lack of trust is a big one for sure. And that actually leads into the next one, which is poor communication of tasks. Mm-hmm. And I think we can all remember a time we had something delegated and it's been a, hey, can you get done? And that's it. And yeah. And, and that communication wasn't there on really yeah. even the opportunity for myself to voice any concerns or any questions mm-hmm. I had. It was, here you go, get to it. And, and that was it. That is mm-hmm. actually a barrier to safe delegation. It is. It is. So, so something important to remember is the students are getting ready to step into these leadership positions. Such an important thing to remember. Think about the times that you've been delegated to that hasn't, hasn't gone very well. And we're going to talk about some of those here in a minute, but, but really think about that and, and what would you have done differently and changed in that situation to make it better and make sure when you delegate to your followers that you take special care not to step into these traps. Mm-hmm. And fear of delegating and loss of authority is another potential barrier. Loss mm-hmm. of authority is, it will have a lot of fear of that. And so mm-hmm. they're like, oh, I don't want that on my license. I'm not gonna give that. I don't, I don't want, yes. you know, they're, they're worried about that. And so it goes back to that lack of trust. They all kind of intertwine, but that is definitely a barrier to safe right. delegation. 
as as the, oh, I was just going to say, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, sure. but if, if you, if you know, that's where it goes back to the five rights too. If you have chosen the correct people for your delegation, you should have that trust to know that they're going to carry out your task effectively. And that's where you exactly. have to be really careful in choosing the right people and to know your personality. You know, some of us tend to be a little bit more of a controller. Um, where we feel the need to kind of control and take over. And if, you know, a lot of people in leadership positions have that quality, that's why they're in leadership positions. But you have to be really careful that you don't go over the top and that you have to maintain that control because of that fear of, of losing control or not having authority gets the best of you. So it's really important to do a lot of self-reflection when you're in a leadership position in, re in regards to the delegating to your followers. Absolutely. And that actually leads me into a, a question I have for you, Dr. Stogner. Have you ever had an experience where you were concerned about delegated activities you were being asked to complete? And how did you handle it? Sure. And I kind of go back to my beginning days as a new graduate nurse. And I had worked a little bit in med surge, but quickly figured out that that wasn't really where I wanted to be. And I really loved mental health. And a position came open at a community mental health clinic um, where I'd actually done some work in, in my practicum there. And so I was able to get a job there and I was really excited. You know, I was kind of new on the job. And my manager at the community mental health clinic asked me when I went to go give, did medication delivery to a lot of these patients. I worked with the really, really severely mentally ill. These were patients that were in and out of the hospital a lot. And I was working in a grant funded program where we would go and provide housing for them and daily services. So that meant every day I went and delivered their medications to make sure they took their medications, taught them activities of daily living, took their blood pressure if needed. You know, a lot of them had a lot of medical issues along with their uh, mental health issues. So it was a, a combination of things. And in this, my manager asked me, you know, hey, when you go and get so-and-so's meds, can you also take them to, uh, they have a doctor appointment this morning. It's really cold outside. At the time I lived in Alaska and, and it was really cold. It was winter and we didn't want to have to, you know, inconvenience her, her and make her wait for the bus. So they asked me if I would take her. And I remember thinking at the time, having a little twinge of, oh, you know, I, I hadn't been on the job long. I'd been around this patient enough to know that she was extremely paranoid. She had paranoid schizophrenia and she had, a, I knew she had a history of violence. So at that moment, um, I probably should have voiced, you know, hey, I'm not comfortable with this. But at the time I was new on the job and I just kind of felt like I <laughs> needed to do it. And I didn't want to sound like a you know, like I was incompetent. So I stepped out. And I said, sure. Okay. I'll do that. So when I went to give her meds, you know, we're taking her to her doctor appointment, we're riding in the car and I look in my rear view mirror and I can see she's throwing me, we call it over here in Hawaii stink eye, but throwing me daggers. I could just see paranoia coming over her. And I heard her mutter something under her breath. I sounded like a threat. And so I just said, excuse me, you know, what did you just say to me? And so she just looked at me again with a lot of paranoia and then mumbled something about, um, you know, I'm going to choke your neck or something like that. And she oh was my. sitting behind me. I <laughs> know. And she was sitting behind me in my vehicle. And I remember I saw a bus stop 
head. I pulled over and I said, you have lost privileges of riding in my vehicle. You are going to get out. I know you have bus tokens because we always made sure they had them. You're going to get out here and wait for your bus and take your bus to your appointment because you have lost the privilege of riding in my car. And so, you know, and then I drove back to the clinic and I just met right away with my supervisor. I told him what happened and he felt really bad, you know, cause he's like, you know what? I should have never delegated that to you by yourself. I should have sent you with a buddy you know, and if I would have had a buddy with me, that would have helped immensely. That person, patient may not have gotten paranoid if there was two of us. They may have, but either way, it just would have made the whole situation a lot safer. I could have had someone assessing. Sometimes, you know, it's driving and talking and looking exactly. in your room here is hard at the same time. So having someone else to help me with that, I mean, I was glad it ended up, you know, there was nothing bad that, no bad outcomes, but I could have been seriously hurt. Exactly. Um, and it was just a lesson for me at that time. Okay, wow, he felt really bad, my manager. I should have never done that. So we came up with a system after that. We improved our processes. So you know when you make a mistake, sometimes you learn from it and you do quality improvements, right? So one of the quality improvements was um, in going out with some of these patients that tended to have violence in their history and, and more of paranoid um, schizophrenia. We were always assigned a buddy to go out with us, even for medication deliveries. And, and that did make me feel a lot more comfortable in going into some of those, you know, to be sketchy situations. So it was, I learned a lot. My manager learned a lot. You know, we exactly. learned a lot. It ended up being, you know, a positive outcome came out of it, but it could have not been that way. It could have not been. And hindsight <laughs> is twenty twenty. And a lot right. of times you can, you can look at that and say, how can I do it better next time? Mm -hmm. And so really coming as the leader, that's where, again, just really sitting down and critically thinking about all of those things through putting, some, I mean, just, you know, somebody annoyed in, in a car and again, behind mm -hmm. you where you really have full visual on their actions as well. And again, you driving a vehicle. So it really, you know, just kind of really critically thinking about all those components. And so I, I think it's a great learning experience and thank you for sharing that. Uh, also, Dr. Stog, just another question, if I can. As a leader, can you discuss a time you needed to delegate an assignment or duty? And how did you go about completing this safely? How did you know the delegation process was a success? So kind of going back to those, those rights mm -hmm. and, you know, safe delegation. How did you know after mm -hmm. you completed this? How did you go about completing it? How did you know it was safe? And how did you evaluate it? Mm -hmm. Well, um, the one kind of the thing that comes to my mind right off the top is, well, you know, I've had a lot of jobs uh, throughout my career. That's the really wonderful thing about nursing is you can do so many different things that don't necessarily involve being in the hospital. And this particular job, it had to do with mental health. And I took an, it was an emergency fill position at my children's elementary school. The um, counselor had had a death in the family and she had to go take care of her uh, sick father, I think it was at the time. And so it just kind of abruptly left. So this position opened up, they really needed someone to fill it. So with my mental health background, I just kind of stepped in and said, I'd be willing to fill the position and which I did. And at our little elementary school, uh, we had sort of a new phenomenon kind of coming to the surface. And that was a lot of single dads. So we think, and we have a lot of supports for single moms, but what I noticed is there exactly. is a lot of support 
parents out there yes. for single dads. And, and these were dads that were trying to do the best they could. It was kind of amazing for me to watch the process as these moms sort of just kind of fell out of these children's lives. Most of the moms had, you know, maybe gotten into some, some drugs of some kind um, or a lifestyle that just wasn't conducive to being a mom and they sort of stepped away from the mom position and and the dad was left with the task of parenting being the sole parent and so we saw this kind of phenomenon taking place and so i i knew that you know we needed to do some type of activity to provide some supports for some of these dads because i saw they were struggling a lot of them were you know wanting to speak with me and you know asking for help for their child and you know just to support the child even in this kind of feeling of, of abandonment really and so so I started a single dad's group but I needed help in doing that and you know at, a, at an elementary school you have limited resources it's not like I had a big hospital staff of people to choose from as a small elementary school and I didn't really have someone that had mental health experience so what I did is I looked at who in my staff was great at communicating with parents because that's what I needed. I needed someone to help me get the word out to someone that choose someone that the parents trusted and that was capable of handling these communications. And so I choose our, our, I chose our parent support person at the time and uh, asked her to help me out with this task, uh, which she did. And our very first group, it was such a success. We had so many single dads show up. Um, all of them oh, showed up and yeah, and we had it in the early morning before work. So it was around like 7.15 in the morning and we just went for like 45 minutes and, and we served breakfast for them so that they would have something to eat before going to work. And we did specific um, things. It, it went for um, eight weeks, it was an eight week uh, support group for single dads. And then my door was always open after that as well. But what was really cool is just to see how successful that group was. Those dads bonded with each other. They formed a bond in, in knowing that they were all in this together. They weren't by themselves. My gal had done that such a great job. So much, yeah. Oh, it did. And my gal did such a great job at making sure it was communicated. She helped me very much with making sure that all the my supplies were there, that all the copies I needed were made and did those little bit of reminder calls the day before. And then just also helped me there in the group and provided her own sharing in stories of her own experiences. She had been a single mom for a while. So just kind of the, the single parent camaraderie. And so it was very successful. And to this day, it's just so cool because as I look back on this, it was probably about, oh, maybe 12, 15 years ago. And now these students, a lot of them just graduated this last year. I went to their graduation. And oh, it's wonderful. just so fun when I run into the dads and in the store, they're always just so happy to see me and so thankful and the children as well. And, and to know that maybe, you know, we had some small part in their success is heartwarming and, and it went really well. And, but it was all about choosing the right person for that job. I needed someone that the parents trusted, um, not this. Because, you know, when you have a psych person, <laughs> people tend to sometimes get the wrong ideas that you're going to psychoanalyze them or maybe call in parent, you know, protective services. And so it, it, there's a trust barrier that has to be breached. Sure. And she did such a good job in that for me. She was the right person for the job and it, it went really well. That's not just safe delegation. That is called a positive outcome. Yes, for sure. It really was. It was, it was kind of a neat process to see that happen. Thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. So 
I guess I just would like to turn to you, uh, Dr. Simpson, and see if you can think of a time when assigning a task may have been with the subordinate's expertise, but due to other constraints such as workload, just wouldn't be feasible for that person, for you to delegate to that person. And how did you handle this kind of a situation? Because we do see this a lot and we are faced with this as we're all working a lot and the amount of people we have to work with are not always a long list. And uh, can you think of a situation where that happened with you and how did you handle that? Can I was actually overseeing the case managers at my local hospital. I was actually a lead case manager unit. A lot of getting did come to me when I was working with the case managers. When we were looking at the units as a whole and how to best support them, because we not only had the nurse case managers, but we also had the social workers. And on one of the units, we had one of the case managers who was unable to fulfill her duties due issues and so she had to actually leave the floor that day. and we had so we had some open cases and I was going to give it to our, our other case manager that was on the next unit over and so looking at the situation experientially as well as educationally she could do it but what had about very sensitive issue had come up in the hospital with one of the patients that involved a lot of crisis management. And she was mm -hmm. very much a part of that situation. I mean, it was not only her, our chief nursing officer and our chief officer were also involved in this because it was a very uh, sensitive issue. And there was a lot mm -hmm. of, a lot of uh, things going on in this case. So I had to actually look back at that and, and know that even though she could do it, the, there was the constraint of this workload that had been added to her case. So what had happened, I actually went in and followed those few patients as the lead case manager, even though, again, delegation-wise, she could have done it based on that she had the ability to do so. Mm -hmm. But with this situation that came about and who was all involved in this case and knowing that it wasn't going to be a quick job to meet the needs of these other cases, uh, I actually did take over those and, and looked at that because when I looked at the whole situation and with that one person that had been taken out of the mix to support the whole hospital, I looked at that and I knew that they were at their capacities. And so I did take those few extra cases as that lead case manager. And it's really important to assess that because I understood in that, in that time that there's, I mean, and there are situations where there's others that could have done it, but really sitting down and again, looking at those rights and making sure that it would be safe and making mm -hmm. sure that it wouldn't be taking them away from other important tasks that needed to be mm -hmm. completed. And so mm -hmm. I really did look at that whole situation. So yeah, that was my experience yeah, with that's that. That's great. Yeah, thank you for sharing. I think that is something that's really important. We have to make sure that we don't overload who we're delegating to, and we may have to take something back, you know, that we initially could have delegated, but we may have to take it back, fill in, um, right. you know, just to, to make sure that things are done in a safe and, a, and effective manner. So, and that so, is a true leader. That is a true leader. They it get, is. You know, yeah. yeah. They step in, step up when, when needed. And so I know we were going to go over some key reminders for safe delegation. Do you want to go over that or do you want me to? Or? Sure, go right ahead. I, I would really love to have you do that. 
Okay, so some key reminders in regards to making sure that our delegation is safe, and this is just kind of tying everything together. Um, remember, the leader is ultimately responsible and accountable for the delegated activities. So again, the buck stops with us. So that's really important to remember. It is important to complete a full assessment of the process of delegation prior to completing. So really looking at, you know, what yes. went well, also what didn't go well. You know, it's important to look for that too. It's not everything goes well, as we know in the real world. And, you exactly. know, like in my example, you know, it, we didn't have a, we didn't have a poor outcome, but um, we learned a lot through that process. So really looking at that is super important. And this would include, you know, when you're doing an assessment, also looking at the expert, the followers, their education, and as we just talked about their workload, you know, really choosing people that have the strengths to do what you need to do. It can be about also having the person grow, but you need to make sure they have that strong foundation and that they're able to carry out the task effectively. And one more important thing, allow the subordinate to voice any concerns, uh, questions prior to completing. So again, creating that space uh, to ask questions. And when I was new, you know, when I was giving that example, I can't say that my supervisor created a space that wasn't safe for me to say no. It was more the circumstances. I was brand new and I didn't want to say no because I didn't want to look like I didn't know how to do my job. And so it's important too, as you're a follower, to remember that, take that into consideration. If you're delegate and make sure and provide some, like what, maybe what he could have done better is he could have said, Tracy, I know you're new. So I do not want you to feel afraid to say no to this. And, right. you know, if you do not feel comfortable at all, make sure and let me know. You know, if he would have said that, I probably would have been more comfortable with saying, oh, you know, I really don't feel comfortable with that. Can I have a buddy come along with me? It was my first time of kind of giving this person a ride. I don't know her very well. You know, so remembering that as, as you're the person who is delegating, is this a new person in their job? Um, will they right. be more hesitant to be honest and say no because they don't want to look inept? Address any potential barriers. And we talked about some of those barriers. Advise the subordinate how the assignment will be evaluated for effective and safe completion. And then always follow the five rights of safe delegation. Super important. Exactly. Mm -hmm. and, and, and some other things. And we got to always remember as an advanced practice leader, delegation will be required in your job. And in mm -hmm. order for it to be completed in a safe and effective manner, you have to make sure that you're following those five rights. That responsibility and accountability always lies with the leader. And so it's really you critically thinking that when delegating yes. any activity. And so with that being said, I just want to say any final words, Dr. Stock, that you have? No, I think we just, you tied it up perfectly. Just remember, you know, those five rights, remember potential barriers, um, be thinking about, you know, have empathy for the person you're delegating to, uh, think about their position, their education, um, their workload, um, considering all those things is really important. So thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much, Dr. Stogner. We were so happy to have you today. Yeah, this was fun and, and such an important concept of delegation. And hopefully the students will listen to this and get some helpful tips as they work on their uh, delegation assignment in this course. So hopefully they'll get some good tips from this podcast. So I look forward to talking with students more in the podcast venue. Thank you, Dr. Simpson, for inviting me. Great. Most excellent. Thank you as well. 
Now that you've explored some important concepts related to your modules, if you have not done so already, please turn your attention to the course materials in your online course for additional application and practice of these concepts.